Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Voice of Backs. I hope you guys all had a great Christmas and a good New Year's holiday. Um, ours was good. Uh, we had a relatively quiet Christmas, so it was kind of nice. I really enjoyed that. As for New Year's, I'm not really a big New Year's celebrator. Um, plus, you know, we, have, we have three dogs. We have to drug one of our little dogs because uh, the fireworks, they... They cause her a lot of problems. Uh, she gets a lot of anxiety and she tries to hide. So suffice to say, um, all this, I, I fell asleep and I woke up one minute before midnight, said Happy New Year's, and then I went upstairs and went to bed. So that was our New Year's. Christmas was great. It was quiet. It was relatively good. Um, last Christmas, I was actually had COVID. So um, this Christmas, I, I we enjoyed it. We enjoyed last Christmas too. It wasn't COVID wasn't dire but anyway I, I digress here um i hope you guys enjoy the last podcast uh with spider-man no way home review it was really good we enjoyed it in fact we actually went again on sunday and saw it a second time and actually i forgot to mention this is tuesday sorry the podcast didn't come out yesterday um i had some problems with my laptop had to replace the battery in it do some updates so it was out of commission i couldn't get the podcast done so but anyway, um, we did go on Sunday a couple days ago to see Spider-Man again. I had a little bit different feelings going into it this time because I had read an article um, that Marissa Tomei actually wanted Aunt May to be in a lesbian relationship. Um, and that character idea was, was thrown out, thankfully. Uh, I mean, the, the whole woke cliff that Marvel and Disney seem to be jumping off, it's kind of turned me off of a lot of the current and upcoming Marvel movies. Um, like, I'm just really not interested in that. I mean, the radicalist, BLM, feminist, homosexual political movements that they keep trying to force down our throats is just, it's kind of turned me off. It soured me on, on the Marvel movies. And to be honest with you, I've said this before, I kind of don't have another 10, 11 years to, to devote to a 10-year-long movie, which is really what these have tended to be. Um, and by the way, I'm not the only one who feels this way. The numbers kind of seem to show it. The very woke movies and shows that they have coming out aren't doing very well. And the ones that set that stuff aside, like Spider-Man No Way Home, are doing great. And yet, the powers that be at Marvel, they seem to insist upon trying to shove it down our throats. Um, but anyway, I really like Spider-Man No Way Home, and that's why I went and saw it a second time. And there was one beef I had in it, though. And it's kind of sparked today's topic. And that's the idea that with great power comes great responsibility. And that was kind of the centerpiece of the movie. Um, even though, honestly, the decisions that Spidey made in honor of Aunt May were actually, in my opinion, kind of irresponsible. But but it doesn't matter. It's, the premise is that when you have a lot of power and you have, you have responsibility, use it correctly and use it wisely and use it for good. So the idea of Great power requiring great responsibility. That's going to be today's podcast. But before I get started, um, if you haven't already, I know I keep saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it. And hopefully you guys go over to follow me on social media. Um, I'm very active on Getter and Getter has picked up a whole bunch of new follower, or new, um, I'm sorry, uh, subscribers because Joe Rogan has moved over there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Joe Rogan, actually, uh, but I mean, he is funny and I agree with him on a few things, um, but I, he hasn't followed me yet. <laughs> but you can follow me at Getter at The Voice of X, on Parlor at The Voice of X, on Gab, if you're into that, at The Voice of X, and on Twitter, that one's different. That one's at Voice underscore of X. So no the on that, just Voice underscore of X, OFX. And 
Also, if you would, please uh, consider going over to my blog and subscribing there. Um, you can you can get that at uh, thevoiceofx.wordpress.com, and I do post blogs on there periodically throughout the week, one or two times. And um, actually, my last blog post kind of plays into today's podcast a little bit on conservatism um, and liberty. So uh, anyway, without further ado, on to today's topic. So like I said, if you do follow my blog, then you will have seen the post title, What is Conservatism? And that kind of leads into today's topic. The I you see, the idea of conservatism is really linked to um, to liberty, and it's it, and it's found. And I know that sounds silly because you might think, well, isn't liberalism as well? It is, but it's different. Conservatism is actually found in the preamble of the Constitution. Okay, and 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 don't get me wrong, conservatism. There's a certain amount of liberalism to it as well. If you're talking about freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religion right to bear arms but with these responsibilities they, I'm sorry with these these rights come responsibilities with these liberties and that's really the heart of conservatism and, and the difference and it actually is found in the preamble of the constitution so let me read it to you you you've probably already read it I'm sure you know it maybe some of you know it by heart but it says this we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. I'm going to stop right there. Mid-sentence. Did you hear that? You hear what it said? To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. What is posterity? The simple definition according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, and this is what it says, all future generations. That's what posterity means. So the preamble says that we have a responsibility to secure liberty's blessings for all future generations. Conserve them, if you will. So how do we do this? Well, we do it basically through acting responsibly. That's right. Liberty comes with responsibility. It's not just a freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. There's actually responsibility that comes with this power of liberty. So as Yale, there's there's a Yale graduate and a Daily Wire commentator named Michael Knowles. You've you've probably maybe you've heard of him. If not, uh, Daily Wire is a great subscription, um, and he's got a show on there. I think he's also got a podcast. But he's quoted as saying, "Liberty is the right to do what we ought to. Freedom involves mastering your base passions. See, it's not the right just to do whatever you want. It's the right to do what you should do, to do what's right, to do what you ought to do." Now, this idea is in stark contrast with what many believe, even within conservative circles, by the way. You see, conservatives, they joined forces with libertarians in the 1950s in an effort to defeat communism. And it worked, by the way. That we defeated communism in the United States, well, we thought we did. For the most part, we, we, we did, and worldwide, but it kind of had... It began to get roots here, and you see it in the leftist movement today. But much of the libertarian language and the ideas that they had, they kind of colonized the conservative movement. Now, libertarians, I'm going to tell you, they're not conservative. And the, they, they have some ideas that smack of conservatism, but they're not. They're, they actually have more in common, to be honest with you, with liberal and leftist Democrats. Not the radical, communist, tyrannical portion. That's not, they, they differ in that area. But uh, we'll continue on and you'll see. you'll see. You'll see what they have in common and how libertarians and libertarianism, as well as leftism and, and, and liberalism, have nothing in common really with 
with conservatism, okay? They're more what you the word term would be libertine, okay? In, definitely in economics they are uh, to a certain extent, but especially on social issues. And this is where the left and the lib libertarians have, this is what they have in common. And I think the left has really kind of adopted it and kind of grabbed onto it for the revolutionary aspect and the victimhood. So different reasons, but the same thing. And I'm going to be honest, I myself, when I was younger, especially in my teens, I, I thought of myself as more libertarian. I was not libertarian, but I kind of like to, to feel that way, mostly because it kind of allowed me, to be honest with you, to kind of straddle the fence um, where I could seem ever so empathetic and yet still try and hold on to my conservative Christian ideals. But the truth is, as I grew and I started a family and everything else and matured, I realized the two could never really coexist because the morals always got in the way and the moral boundaries. Um, so uh, let me explain. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a roundabout way, and I'm going to go into what other things are to explain what conservatism is. So follow me on this. So let me explain libertinism, not libertarianism, but libertinism. If you study it, um, you're going to find it evolved through history. All right. It, you, you actually find it in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Um, but the term in there, the term libertine is translated as freedman because it, it refers to a freed slave. So a little bit different than today's translation. Then traveling further in time, uh, we're going to find the term libertine used by none other than John Calvin. I mean, these are these are this is Protestant Christian movements, right? And he actually used the term to define his political enemies. But again, the definition of libertine at that time was someone who felt that they should have the freedom to choose their own moral code by which to live. So they felt that they should be able to draw their own boundaries rather than having somebody else do it for them. But by the 17th century, the philosophy of libertinism had evolved. It was no longer the idea or the desire to draw a community's own moral boundaries, but it was a rejection of all moral authority altogether. I mean, you can read that as moral anarchy or social anarchy, whatever you want, but it was a rejection of all moral authority. Libertinism was expressed in various works of art, in fact, at the time, um, artwork, poems, writings of fiction, and these works often involved pornography. Uh, and much like today, these works were often anti-Christian, anti-government, and pretty hedonistic in nature. So you can see that this is now starting to sound not only kind of libertarian, this idea of, of just, uh, you know, everybody doing what they, they feel that they should do, but it's also progressive in this. You can see how the progressives have latched on to this, you know, moral relativism excuse me, <coughs> excuse me again, uh, this idea of there's just rejection of all moral authority, and this is my truth, and they both share this concept, but they, they do it for different reasons, obviously. The left is very using it very much to create this victim culture, this polarization, and lead to kind of this kind of revolution that they that they want to do. Libertarians are more like, they it's, it's an alternative way for them, and they think that they can um, these things, human nature will be just self-governing if you just allow people to do whatever they want, um, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. We'll get into that in just a second. But, uh, it, I mean, of course, modern versions of these libertines, you'll hear them today, and you don't hear this term, libertine, very often, okay, among anybody, or libertinism. What these people do is they defy what they refer to as religious dogma. They're just saying, we're, we're we're, we're, we're fighting against religious dogma, right? And the, um, the, 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 the um, 
stifling rules that, that religion tries to put on people, and then they try and hide the licentious connotations of their libertinism by calling themselves free thinkers. And you've probably heard that term quite often. I have. And these people are not free thinkers. Obviously, it's, they're, they're actually, they, they want freedom from thinking for the most part, because if they really thought about human nature and devoted a lot of time to these things, to, to the Bible, to religion, to human nature, they would begin to realize the importance of having to set boundaries, not only for a community, but for yourself. Now understand, I'm not bashing libertarians at all. I actually find that I agree with them on, on several topics. Um, but the idea of how to get there, you, most of that, by the way, um, most of those topics would be um, economic in nature. Uh, I'm more than open to uh, um, uh, school choice. I am more than open to um, the uh, uh, privatization of the roads and the infrastructure. Um, but oftentimes, and a lot of their economic policies I agree with, but I don't agree oftentimes with the means of how to get there. That's the issue. Um, and, and it's much the same way that, I, I'd be honest with you, it used to be this way with Democrats, where it was like this Venn diagram, right? Republicans and Democrats, they, in the middle, they shared the idea of American exceptionalism and the American dream, but they differed in how to get there. I mean, I, I have a book called JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity by uh, Lawrence Kudlow and uh, Brian Dimitrovich. And it was a great book. And reading about JFK's um, economics and going more into depth into Reagan Reaganomics, I, honestly, in the John F. Kennedy day, I, I may have voted Democrat. I mean, there was a definite overlap there that is totally gone because the Democrats have gone so far to the left. Um, they, I didn't even know why they call themselves Democrats anymore. But, but any, anyway, um, we used to believe in the same ideals and just had different paths to get there. But, you know, the libertarian, he believes, he or she believes that allowing humans to do what they will, whatever they want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, that the issues will just self-regulate and people will self-regulate. But this denies human nature. I mean, I don't know how many of you out there have kids. I have two, um, two daughters. You heard them on the last podcast uh, doing the review for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, the honest truth is, guys, I didn't have to teach them how to lie or how to cheat or how to steal. They did that on their own. But, I mean, I had to teach them. What I did have to teach them was how to do what's right. I mean, doing what's morally wrong comes naturally. I mean, we're born sinners. I mean, we just, I, I, I mean, it's human nature to just want to increase pleasure and avoid pain. And you'll do whatever it takes not to do that. And we know that sometimes we have to, to do those things that, that, that are painful because they're the right thing to do, because they're the, the morally right thing to do. And I got to be honest with you, I would, I would wager to listen uh, or wager that most of the people listening, if you have a child, probably one of their first words was no. Right, disobedience, defiance, telling you no. I mean, you had to teach them how to obey uh, in, through love and discipline. Um, but the truth is, if you didn't, they would probably literally kill themselves. Not figuratively, literally. I mean, I, it depends on your kid, I, I'm sure. But these are not little versions of adults here. Without supervision and without parents setting boundaries for them, in which they can, I mean, we do this with all kids, right? And as they get older, we expand those boundaries as they learn how to be self-disciplined and responsible, right? But when they're very little, if we didn't set strict boundaries, I mean, literally, they'd fall off, be falling off the roof and playing on the freeway. I mean, it'd be absolute, it'd be chaos, right? I mean, well, that's what happens when you don't set boundaries for society. 
you have chaos. Human depravity and unbridled passion is not self-governing and it's not freedom. It will just spiral out of control. Indulging your every passion is quite simply not liberty. In fact, the Bible says that it enslaves you. In John 8:34, Jesus said, "Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin." And, and, and you don't need to be a Christian or read the Bible, by the way, to put this to the test. I mean, how many out there have known someone with addiction or substance issues? Drugs, alcohol, pornography, um, whatever it is. I, I have. They were enslaved by it. And, and what's sad is not only were they enslaved, but often they were blinded in, to the enslavement. They didn't even realize they were. I mean, these are people who are like, well, I do better when I'm stoned. When I'm stoned, I'm a jerk. I'm not very nice. Well, because you're going through withdrawals, dude. You need to get off of the drugs or the alcohol, whatever you're on. And and, and, and they're not only blinded, but while they're being blinded and enslaved by it, it's destroying them physically and mentally. And oftentimes they don't even see it. Of course, the libertine ideal says that drugs, even hard drugs, are okay. As long as you're only doing it to yourself, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're okay, that they're good for you, but you should be able to do them. You're only hurting yourself and you're not hurting, if you're not hurting anybody else, whose business is it is if you destroy your own life? To a certain extent, I agree with this in certain areas. I mean, look, I, I'm not a fan of the seatbelt law. I mean, under the age of 18, that's fine. But over the age of 18, if you, I wouldn't drive without a seatbelt. I wouldn't ride a motorcycle without a helmet. But uh, if you're an adult and you decide not to, it's your life. You want to take it in your hands. You're actually not hurting anybody else. I know there's the argument, and I've heard that, well, you get injured and they end up in the hospital and the state pays for it. And I would agree with that. Maybe that is a good reason. But until we stop paying billions of dollars a year for medical for and public benefits and everything else for illegal aliens, uh, that's just not a valid argument. But I, that's kind of a different topic altogether. But, but the reality is that doing things such as substance abuse, drug abuse, it's not, you don't do it just to you. Even when you think you're doing it just to you, it destroys relationships, it destroys families, marriages, careers, it affects whole communities. It doesn't just affect you. And anybody who's had a family member or a friend who has substance abuse issues knows this. And despite what the libertine may think, it will never be self-regulating. How many times do you see it just spiral out of control? I mean, if it was self-regulating, it would self-regulate even in the presence of laws that restrict it. And yet, we don't see that. Now, I'm not trying to make this a podcast about the legalization of drugs or the dangers of pornography. Uh, that's a different topic altogether. Uh, there's plenty of data out there on that, although you have to dig a little for it since most Google searches will not put the negative effects of these vices at the top of the search list. Uh, but if you want some places to start, contact me. Feel free to email me. Um, I'm at thevoiceofx at gmail.com and I can send you some sites you can look at. Okay. Um, or you can contact me through the, the blog, wh whatever. Um, but I'm just trying to show you the contrast between progressivism and even libertarianism and conservatism. So we can kind of, it's, it's seems like a roundabout way, but because conservatism has kind of been corrupted by these other ideas, I've got to kind of show you what conservatism is not supposed to be. And if you haven't seen it already, the essence of what I just described with libertinism in one word, and I've said it twice now, is chaos. When you allow mankind to throw off the guidance of morality and follow their every passion, you end up with, well, quite frankly, end up with drag queen story hour at the local library or children deciding that they're 
boys when they're girls or girls when they're boys. They even go as far as getting put on puberty blockers. And I mean, it's just destroying their lives. And parents actually celebrating this. I mean, the world has gone mad, right? And they're just celebrating the destruction of their own children. And if you want more information on that, again, I don't want to segue on this too far, so go look it up for yourself. But look up the videos and articles by Abigail Schreier, S-C-H-R-I-E-R. She's an independent journalist who's been very outspoken about the dangers of transgenderism, especially among today's youth. But this is what you end up with, with seeking my truth, no moral, moral relativity, relativity, no moral authority. I mean, everything just becomes chaos. And you can't build anything when it's chaos. To build, you have to have order. To preserve, you have to have order. I live in California. And here, they have decriminalized a lot of crime. Recreational marijuana, bam, legal. When I'm out driving or running the dog, and I run my dog every day. um, And of course, I drive my car every day. um, But it's quite common daily for me to either be out on a drive and a car goes by and I get hit with a, a cloud of pot smoke. Okay, or I pull up behind a car and they're smoking weed in the car. They're not even vaping. They're just smoking weed, right? I mean, I pulled up next to a young girl waiting to get on the freeway one day. I had my window down and I started to hear click, click, click. And I was in my van, um, in a van, and she was in a lower car. I looked over and looked down and there she is in the driver's seat. She had a bong in her lap between her legs. And the click I heard was the lighter. She was lighting her bong taking a hit, and then uh, before I could even say anything, I was so much shocked, the light turned green, she made her left, and she got on the freeway. The freeway, folks, loaded. She may as well have been driving down the, the, the freeway with a bottle of Jack in her hand, and I know people trying to, those who are proponents of, especially marijuana, you're trying to say, oh no, it's better than drinking, or even smoking cigarettes, baloney, it's not, okay? I'm not saying that we allow them to do this and drive, driving under the influence is still illegal, but we've perpetuated this idea that while drinking and driving is absolutely taboo, that even though it's illegal, smoking weed and driving, not not a big deal, right? But it is. It's a huge deal. Another thing, California, they also decriminalized shoplifting with Proposition. This was with Proposition 47 that I think took effect in, I want to say 2014 or 2015. Anything under $950 is a misdemeanor. It's not worth the police's time in most cases to come out for it. Businesses don't allow their employees to confront the shoplifters because oftentimes the shoplifters are armed with everything from guns to pickaxes and hammers. In fact, I think it was a CVS employee. It might have been Walgreens. I think it was CVS in LA or LA County at least. Not that long ago, tried to stop a shoplifter. They pulled out again, bam, shot him and killed him. And then the governor gets interviewed and when the journalists asked about Prop 47, saying people are blaming it on that and the decriminalization of a lot of this crime, um, he spouts off and gets mad. It's like, well, you know, I mean, people don't understand that. Yeah, but ever since it went into effect in 2014 and 2015, 16, 17, crime went down. <laughs> well, yeah, because you've changed the definition of what crime is. I mean, right? I, I, I mean, that's like that's like lowering the bar for the SATs, making them easier and then celebrating because your kids got good, more kids got good grades on the SATs. That's not how it works. Yeah, it looks like crime went down because you're not recording these as felonies anymore. So sure, you have fewer felonies, but really in the reality, the number of those misdemeanors has now increased because these people are getting away with it. Just like porch pirates we have here. There's rings of criminals that steal packages off porches because it's a misdemeanor. There's nothing you can do about it. The whole thing is madness. And yet people keep voting for these, these people. I didn't mean to sidetrack here, but I'm just trying to impress upon you the idea 
that a world without boundaries will self-regulate. It will not. It must have moral boundaries. Why? Because liberty comes with a responsibility. It's work. It's not something that's just, well, I have liberty, do whatever. No, that's not how it works. That's not what liberty is. And on the topic of liberty, Friedrich Hayek, the German economist, he was German, um, he said, liberty not only means that the individual has both the opportunity and the burden of choice, it also means that he must bear the consequences of his actions and will receive praise or blame for them. Liberty and responsibility are inseparable. In other words, guys, liberty means you have the freedom to make the right choice and enjoy the rewards of making that right choice. But if you make the wrong choice, you're going to bear the consequences of your bad choice. So liberty means you need to make good choices based upon what? Well, a standard. You see, liberty isn't easy. It's hard. But without the cost, we will not be able to preserve its blessings for future generations. So let's take your neighborhood, for example. Um, I don't know, obviously, what neighborhood, kind of neighborhood you live in. But uh, in, here in California, there's a war on single-family dwellings for now. But um, let's just look at a neighborhood filled with these single-family dwellings. Um, homeowners associations aside, the homeowner is free to do with their home as they please, right? I mean, they can paint their house. Um, hopefully not some god-awful color. Hopefully they take their neighbors into account before they paint their house pink, but they can paint their house, they can landscape it, they can mold it and shape it in however they want to suit what pleases them. It's their property, you own it. But are these freedoms absolute? Can they do with their property whatever they want? Can they start manufacturing facility in their house, pumping out fumes or making noise 24 hours a day? Can they run a business that has clients coming and going and using the neighborhood streets as parking lots? No, they can't. Most of you have, a, you have an ordinance against that. Why? Because other people have to live there as well. That's why we have zoning for residential and commercial. So in order to conserve it as a residential neighborhood, they zone it as a residential neighborhood. And that assures that everyone will be able to enjoy the blessing of the neighborhood equally. Boundaries are set. And we all agree to enjoy freedom unfettered within these boundaries and if someone strays outside those boundaries we have laws to address it and and but keep in mind that the more responsible we are the fewer laws we need to regulate or to, that will be needed to regulate it in other words be self-disciplined be responsible love your neighbor yourself if we have a standard right this is called having a standard we won't have to have as many laws i had heard um adam carolla talking about this. It was an article. Maybe I read the article. I can't remember, but he was talking about, um, I think it was Hermosa Beach where he grew up. He was When he was younger, he used to go there a lot and people just went there and they respect each other. Now there's signs up all over, no football on the beach, no dogs, no frisbee, whatever. Some of these signs and regulations that they're not allowed to, and it's ridiculous. And remember, Adam Carolla has tends to be, he is a Republican, but definitely more libertarian. Um, at least it seems to me. And he talked about, why do we have to have these laws? We shouldn't have to have these laws. I agree. We shouldn't have to. But without a standard, we have no choice. We have to establish laws. When, I mean, right up when I was younger, yeah, it was okay to play Frisbee on the beach, but people were nice and they were kind and they stayed away from everybody else. They weren't throwing it over their heads. They weren't taking dogs on the beach and let them urinate everywhere. They weren't playing football and trampling all over everybody's things. And by the way, if they did, there'd probably be a fight. They'd get their, their clock cleaned and that would be it. Or everybody would stand up and say, get out of here, knock it off. 
That doesn't happen anymore. So we have to begin to establish these laws. This is a societal issue. So yes, if we don't have a standard, if we don't have a, 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 a moral boundaries that we hold our society to, we have nothing left but to pass laws. And the answer is, which is bad, but the answer is not the opposite of not having any laws. So you can see that this is a moral societal issue. And herein lies the essence of conservatism, right? Just having a bunch of laws or no laws at all will not preserve. We, we see it. We try them both. We try them both. You have too many laws. The beach is horrible to go to anymore. You have no laws. The beach is horrible to go to anymore. We want to conserve it as it was and at, for future generations so that they can enjoy those blessings as well. We must be responsible with our liberty. And to do so, we set boundaries that will conserve the culture and blessings of our great nation. Does this mean legislating morality? Think about that question. Legislating morality. Does this mean legislating morality? Because it's probably not the answer you think. You bet it does. Absolutely. You can and should legislate morality. In fact, this idea of legislating morality goes back to the founding. The family, the nuclear family, it was recognized then and should be now all the way up really until the Cultural Revolution of the 60s as the foundation of our country. And so laws were enacted to protect it. These, these laws, they've changed Okay, especially since the 60s, um, divorce laws, laws on drugs, sodomy, pornography, these laws have changed quite a bit and not oftentimes for the better. Husbands, I mean, I've seen they have parties to celebrate their divorce. Really? Celebrate your divorce? I mean, things happen. Divorce happens. If you're divorced, please, I'm not coming down to you. And I would never think that a woman should stay in, a, in an abusive relationship or anything else. Um, but, you know, love and relationships and marriage takes work and oftentimes it just fails because they don't want to do the work or they don't feel it anymore. They get a divorce and they actually have parties to celebrate their divorce. You shouldn't, that, This you failed. You shouldn't be happy about it. It happens, you want to fix it and don't let it happen again, but you shouldn't celebrate it. I mean, the let's look at the LGBTQ plus HIJ, whatever, whatever, how many letters they want to add to it, that movement, that political movement, that's targeting your children, our children, and the schools have got along with it. And drugs, well, we've already talked about that to a certain extent. And when I bring this up, this idea of legislating morality, it's often countered with, well, so you think you can just get rid of immorality through legislation and through laws? And I have to answer no. I, I, that's not what I think. Absolutely not. You never will, ever. Humans are sinners by nature. The legislation of morality is not to eliminate immorality but to cage it and force it into those dark recesses of society where it'll always be there and you'll always be able to find it, but you're going to have to work hard to get to it. It won't be right out in the open corrupting your children or your families. Do I think that the cops should knock down the door of a homosexual couple and drag them off to jail? Um, such as like, no, I, I don't. I, I don't believe that what, that what happens between two consenting adults within the confines of their own home that's adults, by the way, not children, two consenting adults. What happens in the confines of their own home, whether it be man and a woman, a woman and a woman, or a man and a man, I don't believe that's the government's business. But when that lifestyle becomes a political movement and forces itself and its ideals upon our society and upon our children, then we have not only the right to legislate it, but the responsibility to do so. Because we have to protect our family, our children, so we can conserve the blessings of liberty and our culture for future generations.
I mean, look, we could do a whole podcast on this. Um, in fact, I plan on it for the future. Remember, I said that this podcast is not going to pull punches anymore. And it's likely going to offend some people. But I hope, I hope that you or whoever, if you are offended by these ideas, that you can listen and let it challenge you. Okay, let it get you to think and study and learn and not just listen to the rhetoric that's out there. Not even what I'm saying. Go look these things up for yourself. Uh, I'll try and post some of the links on there. They probably won't make it on tonight, but I'm going to post because I've got behind because my laptop was down. Um, but, but within the next day or two, I'll try and post some links on on the uh, podcast itself so you can go look into this yourself or feel free to email me. I can send you some of these resources, okay? Or at least point you in the right direction so that you can start going down that path and looking at it yourself. Don't just take my word for it. But anyway, when I do talk about legislating morality, I'm talking about setting a standard and using the legislative process, which by the way is very long and drawn out and laborious for a very good reason to protect that standard, all right? We don't want, the, the reason it takes so long to pass laws is because we don't. We wanna make sure that bad laws are not just passed by fiat. This is why executive leadership, um, whether it be governors or presidents, they've taken to doing executive orders a lot because they wanna force their agendas without the vetting process of the people's representatives. And if you ever watch the old um, Schoolhouse Rocks, uh, you know, I'm a bill, you know, um, you can see the process for that. It takes a long time and it, it's meant to be that way on purpose. It prevents tyrannical laws, okay? So don't think that by legislating morality, it's going to be a quick, hey, we want this, boom, homosexuality done, boom, drugs done. It doesn't work that way. It has to go through a process, go through the people's representatives first, which means, by the way, you need to vote, okay? You need to vote for the right people. Okay, because they're the ones representing you and making these decisions on legislation. But in regards to the standard, what should it be? I mean, that's, a, hey, well, Kevin, what kind of standard do you think we should have then? Well, I believe, as the founders did, that the biblical standard was best. John Adams said, because we have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion, Avarice, ambition, revenge, and licentiousness would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. He said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Because it didn't require so much the government setting all of your boundaries for you, but it really needs you to be self-governed, to set that standard. Hold your, yourself to it. Hold your community to it. It's important. It's important to hold these religious morals. What are they? They're quite simple. Clean living. Love your neighbors yourself. The nuclear family. These are all biblical values. And the data supports it, by the way. All right. In America, if you graduate high school, get a full-time job, and wait until you get married to have kids, and I would, by the way, add stay off of drugs in there, the statistics show you will be successful. I mean, this has been measured. In a broken home, by the way, especially one without a father, fatherless homes, often leads to horribly delinquent children and just destruction of, of, of lives. Kids from broken homes are four times more likely to be poor, 
They have a higher risk of drug and alcohol abuse. They're 15.3 times more likely to have behavioral disorders, 4.6 times more likely to commit suicide, 6.6 times more likely to become teenage mothers, 24.3 times more likely to run away, 6.3 times more likely to be in a state-operated institution, 10.8 times more likely to commit rape, 6.6 times more likely to drop out of school, 15.3 times more likely to end up in prison while a teenager, 73% of adolescent murderers come from mother-only homes. And this, guys, is a short list. Go online and look at fatherless homes, children from fatherless homes, do a search on it. The list is horrifically long, and it's heartbreaking. What's the answer? Uh, it's time to establish a national standard again. We used to have one. We need to undo the radical sexual revolution of the 60s. We need to establish a biblically-based standard for our life. You don't have to be a Christian to, to believe in it, that a biblically-based standard is good. Go look at the statistics. They prove that it works. Will this happen overnight? No way. It won't. In fact, some things, they may be gone forever. We may not be able to change them. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if some of these genies can ever be put back in the bottle. But I do know this, that the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And that we need to put our foot down as conservatives and stop trying to ride the fence. Honestly, I don't think America wants this wishy-washy form of conservatism we've been seeing, out of the Republican Party especially. I think that's why, that's why Trump was and still is so popular. We need to make better decisions. We need to vote out the rhinos and embrace our founding ideals. Folks, it's time to take responsibility and to get back to the task of securing the blessings of liberty for our posterity, for all future generations, not just us. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Voice of X. I'm very sorry that today's podcast was late. But we'll be back next week on Monday. Um, hopefully in this coming year, I'm going to have some, I'm gonna have some, um, some guests on. I'm going to have probably Silvika Roska back on with us. Um, I've got a couple other uh, interviews lined up. So we're looking forward to having a, a pretty good year. And I, I hope you guys had great holidays. And I go, hope you guys have a great 2022 year. God bless you guys. And God bless America. I know what I mean.